You know, I think that one of the biggest indicators that a person is not a Christian is the, the degree of apathy that exists in their life regarding obtaining a true knowledge of God, regarding a love for God's Word. Not just, not just a looseness in morality, not just a casualness, a casual attitude regarding sin, wickedness, immorality, both in their life and in the culture. I think apathy toward the scriptures is another indication that there is an absence of true faith, not a lacking of true faith, an absence of true faith. I believe that people who love God love God's word. I believe that people who have been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the presence of the Holy Spirit comes with a passionate burning appetite to know God, to understand God's word, so that we can please God. I also believe that it comes with an absolute hatred towards sin. I was once told by a pastor that he was not going to be his church's Holy Spirit. This was in the context of a discussion around disciplining a deacon who had taught in Sunday school that there was a time when Jesus wasn't God, that on the cross, Jesus ceased to be God. Not going to discipline him. I'm not going to be the Holy Spirit for him. Over the years, I have observed pastors who would preach sermons and never really take the truth to real-world application, at least not in any way that would make people uncomfortable, not even in the slightest. Why is there so much ignorance about Christianity even in societies like American society and other Western societies where Christianity is the main religion of the society. Why is, why is there so much ignorance? Of course, I think we could, at this point, we could say this about a lot of, why, are, why is there so much ignorance about the history of America? Why is there so much ignorance about uh, what a, a republic is? Why is there so much ignorance around the purpose of the Constitution. I mean, there's ignorance around, there's ignorance abounding in, in societies, but there's the ignorance that exists regarding Christianity comes directly from how the churches are not informing society on what true Christianity actually is. Jesus loves you and can fix all the problems in your life. That's, that's, wants the best thing for you and affirms you as a person, and that's, that's Christianity. Why do so many Christians have almost no clue what Christianity actually teaches? Why? Sit down and sit down with, just take a thousand Christians, line them up randomly, and talk to them. Ask them basic questions about basic doctrine, and make sure that every one of them has have at least been in the church for at least 10 years. And you will find a profound degree 
of ignorance in those people. Why are such people so comfortable being in the churches week in and week out, being around other Christians week in and week out? Why? I'm going to tell you why. My name is Ed Dingus, and you're listening to the Reformed Rana podcast, where I rant about the most important theological and social issues of society from a Reformed Christian perspective. And today, I am ranting about the Milky Way, the practice of modern evangelical churches, especially in American society, for decades now, who refuse to go beyond anything that isn't milk in how they teach and train their people. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Now daddy didn't like trouble, but if it came along, Everyone that knew him knew which side that he'd be on. He never was a hero for this county's shining light. But you could always find him standing up for what he thought was right. He'd say, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You've got to be your own man, not a puppet on the screen. Compromise what's right and uphold your family name. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. The sad state of modern American Christianity, anyhow, is that most modern Christians, and I'm talking about evangelicals, I'm not talking about anyone outside of the Christian community who does not affirm things like the authority, sufficiency, inerrancy of Scripture, the divinity of Christ, the, the teachings of Scripture, basically, <clears throat> and accepting the fact that the Bible is our sole authority for faith and practice. That's who I'm talking to. So when I say Christians, evangelicals, or, or American Christianity, this is the group I'm talking to. I'm not talking about fruitcakes who run around trying to justify things like homosexuality and abortion. Those aren't Christians. I'm talking about people in our churches. The sad state of affairs that, ha that, that has developed in American Christianity is, is that the, they have absolutely almost no understanding of who God is. And the reason they don't is because of the, the way their pastors and elders and teachers ignore over half of the revelation of God in Scripture by refusing to actually walk through honestly, frankly, the Old Testament and what the Old Testament tells us about God. 
and his nature, his view of wickedness, how he deals with wickedness. The fact of the matter is that the morality, the morality of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, on numerous issues contradicts modern pagan ideas of morality, top to bottom. In fact, the morality of the Bible is offensive to most modern pagans. Couple that fact with, with the reality that as paganism goes in society, so goes so many of our churches. We parallel the culture. We focus on the things that the culture focuses on. Now, we should shine a light on the things that the culture is, is focusing on. But the priorities of the culture should not always become the priorities of the church. But if you look over the last several decades of at least our history in our society, that's exactly what our churches are doing. We mimic the culture. The culture talks about diversity. We can't shut up talking about diversity. The culture talks about racism. We can't shut up talking about racism. The culture talks about whatever. We can't shut up talking about whatever. We follow not just the subjects, but we also embrace the mindsets of the culture. We don't think critically about what's going on. We just follow. And this is because, this is because, this is because the overwhelming majority of our churches are led by men who refuse to take even a step away from giving their people week in and week out milk. That's all they get, milk, nothing more. No meat, milk. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna bring bring you through several several scriptures in this rant to help you understand that a life lived on milk will guarantee that you will never mature, and eventually, eventually, if you don't start to get some meat, you die. Malnutrition is what we call it. Isaiah chapter 1. God says, alas, sinful nation. People weighed down with iniquity. Offspring of evildoers. Sons who act corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from Him. Where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head there is nothing sound in it. Only bruises, welts, and raw wounds. 
not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. Your land is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your fields, strangers are devouring them in your presence. It is desolation as overthrown by strangers. You look at the condition of Israel and you listen to the language God is using through his prophet Isaiah. Sinful nation. People weighed down with iniquity. Offspring of the evildoers. Sons who act corruptly. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. Listen to these descriptions. Listen to how stinging they are. And most importantly, listen to the language here compared to the language you never hear from your own representatives of God, which is what Isaiah was. It's what pastors, shepherds, elders, Sunday school teachers are. Where is this language in modern American churches? Why is this God that talks like this to people who rebel against him, why is he hidden from us? What have they done with him? Modern pastors, modern elders, modern Sunday school teachers in evangelical churches have hid God from the people. They hide God's truth from the people. They have worked tirelessly to soften the language of Scripture and to ignore God's actions over history when men rebel against Him. They don't challenge the congregation that God has placed them over by revealing them by exposing them to the God that actually exists. Because they know that the people in the audience can't handle it. They know that most of those people in that audience would despise a true depiction of the God that actually exists and wouldn't come back. So in order to keep them sitting there, this God is kept out of sight, out of mind. The congregation gets milk. They get fluff. John Owen says he is no pastor who does not feed the flock. He also went on to say the case is mournful. Certain ministers are making infidels. Avowed atheists are not a tenth as dangerous as those preachers who scatter doubt and stab at the faith. Germany was made unbelieving by her preachers and England 
is following in her tracks. And so too is America, hot on the hills of England, in evangelical churches. You do not have the right to prioritize what God says clearly in his word. I do not have the right to prioritize what God says clearly in his word. Clearly. What God says clearly, we must hold dogmatically. Period. There's nothing more to talk about. It's no more complicated than that. If God said it clearly, I have a duty to embrace it, to believe it, to speak it, to live it. Ezekiel 3.17, God says to the prophet, Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. Warn them. Isaiah says his watchmen are blind. All of them know nothing. All of them are mute dogs, unable to bark. Dreamers lying down who love to slumber. The prophet is talking about the leaders of Israel who are tolerating paganism at the highest levels, idolatry all around them. Now you might think, well, the modern, our churches in, in our evangelical churches are not filled with idolatry. Yes, they are. The true God of Scripture has been hidden from most evangelical churches. And we work very hard to make sure he remains in the shadows. And the God that is exposed, is talked about, doesn't exist. This God who is all affirming, this God who wants your best life now, this, this God who, from the prosperity gospel all the way over to the, the, the notion that God isn't sovereign. The idea that salvation comes outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The idea, the idea that doctrines like the sufficiency of Scripture Think about critical race theory and, and how it impugns that doctrine. Doctrines like the sufficiency of Scripture, doctrines like the, the authority of Scripture, all of these things up for grabs in our churches. The fact that you can't even have a speaker in a Southern Baptist church, come in and talk about how a denial of Genesis 1 through 11, and that denial comes by way of a radical interpretation of that text. It's radical. I don't, I don't care what Bible scholars tell you. 
It's radical. First, we do away with the literal, the literal creation. And then right along with it go Adam and Eve and the literal fall. And before you know it, we are into all kinds of liberal nonsense. Even into things like gender dysphoria. Because if our identity isn't in the image of God, Adam and Eve is a myth. Theistic evolution actually occurred, which is a, a heresy held to by Tim Keller, one of the most popular evangelical so-called leaders in American society. When, when we are tolerating these kinds of things in our churches, our watchmen are blind. All of them are mute dogs unable to bark. Pastor, you better stand up and say something. If not, you're fitting Isaiah's description perfectly. The good old boys who want to protect each other, don't want to say anything to ruffle anybody's feathers, and certainly want to keep the people on milk so that the kingdom, their kingdom, is preserved. Who cares about the damage that kind of mindset does to the kingdom of God? Isaiah 58 1 says, Cry aloud, do not hold back. Scream, raise your voice like a trumpet, and declare to my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Are you doing this? Are you in a church that does this? Where's the boldness? Where's the courage? Where is it? We don't want to confront our people with this God. Modern society hates him. Our people need affirmation. They need someone to come alongside them, put your arms around them, and love on them. That's what we're told. <laughs> you paying attention to what I'm reading from the prophets? Does it sound like to you that the prophets are coming alongside people, putting their arms around them and loving on them, as defined by modern pagan culture. To me, it doesn't sound like they're doing that at all. To me, if you were to look at this through the lens of modern American society, you would say that th this is pretty mean. This is uncharitable. It's unkind. It reveals a lack of grace, a lack of patience, a lack of kindness. That's, that's the kind of message we're getting today, folks. Do you think, just like what happened to um, the, the AIG speaker, and I, I can't remember. I, it's not that I'm not naming names because I'm afraid to name names. I just don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember the guy's name. And I, I know it was a Southern Baptist church, but I don't remember which church it was recently within the last week or two. Do you think that church, 
You think that pastor in that church, just like he apologized for the truth spoken by the AIG uh, minister, you think he would apologize for Isaiah? I think he would. I think churches like that avoid Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, all the prophets. I think they avoid them. I think they avoid stories where God tells Israel to kill them all. I think they avoid those, those things. I think they avoid anything that modern pagan morality would find outrageous and offensive. And I got to tell you, if you look at Genesis to Revelation rightly, if you just look at it, let it interpret itself in its own context. Modern pagan people would find it incredibly offensive. And since our people are far more influenced, far more, by pagan morality than they are the Bible, well, what are you going to do? I mean, that's a fact, folks. It's embarrassing. It's scandalous. But it's a fact. The overwhelming majority of people in our churches are far more influenced by pagan principles, pagan values, pagan morality, pagan ideas than they are anything in Scripture. Because we're not giving them Scripture. We're not forcing them to see the truth of God in Scripture. And what is supposed to happen, just so you want, this is what's supposed to happen. You get saved. You have all these pagan ideas floating around in your head about how things ought to be. But as you begin to become immersed in Scripture and you're discipled by men and women of God in relationships with those people who embrace the truth of God, who love the truth of God more than anything else, and who understand and appreciate that this is thus says the Lord. All these pagan ideas are supposed to be washed out of your thinking, out of your mindset in what we call spiritual growth. Some people call it progressive sanctification. I prefer to call it spiritual growth. Growing, mortifying the deeds of the flesh as you go along, which, which those deeds of the flesh are happening because of beliefs that are embraced in the mind. Either it's okay to sin or sinning is not that big a deal and therefore you just keep right on sinning. But as you start to form beliefs that sin is wicked, it's not okay to sin, your attitude towards sin becomes more and more uh, firm, fixed, less casual, you begin to fight it and replace it with godly living godly thinking. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14 says, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints. Equipping, to equip us. For the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we attain to the unity of the faith. That's how long he gave us these gifts for this purpose. Right? So we will need, we will need the gifts that God has given the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith. 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And as a result, what happens? What happens when pastors and elders and Sunday school teachers are equipping the saints for the work of service? What happens when they are building up the body of Christ, focusing on these things? We all move to, toward a unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, becoming mature to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result of this, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. That's what happens. 1 Peter 5, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and, and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. A shepherd does not turn his back on wolves and allow them to just rip the sheep apart. He points out the wolf. He shoots the wolf in the head. He smashes the wolf in the skull with his staff. What does that look like? Does it look like we, we, Respectfully disagree with the view that Andy Stanley has put forward that you can be a Christian and doubt the virgin birth of Jesus Christ and you're still welcome here and that's not a problem with us. We just we disagree with, with Andy. We love Andy as a brother in Christ, but we disagree with his view. Is that what that looks like? That's like petting the wolf and, and telling the wolf, look, uh, you know, I know you're here to eat the sheep. I'm going to ask you not to eat too many of them. I'm going to ask you to, 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 to be gentle. And if you do eat some of them, then, you know, try not to make it unnecessarily painful for them. Try to make it quick. That's what that's like. Any pastor who would stand up and tell people that it is okay to reject the virgin birth, that they can still be a Christian, is a wolf, a ravenous wolf, a dog to be shot, a mangy, wicked, evil, vile creature that does not belong in the church of Jesus Christ. We do not treat wolves like wolves. We treat them like shepherds who should be respected, we just disagree with them. And we call it being charitable. What has happened with this charitable idea is that the, historic, the historical content, the historic content of what it means to be charitable has been emptied. We emptied that word of its, of its content and we replaced that content with political, modern political correctness. So that now, Christians in our churches are actually taught that the fruit of the Spirit is really being politically correct. That's how we know you love Christ. 
That's how the world knows you loved Christ. Because you're, you're politically correct. If you're not politically correct, then, then you're being a bad witness for the gospel of Christ. Now, it isn't worded that way, but that's exactly the message that's being sent. Exactly the message that's being sent. And it's what, it's what these guys believe because they're not exercising their critical thinking skills. Call it laziness, call it a desire to preserve their kingdom, call it uh, job security, a desire to hang on to their job. I don't care what you call it, that's what it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able. Paul is really upset with this church because they still are on milk. He's frustrated. We should be frustrated with people who have been in the way for 10 years and don't even understand basic Christian doctrine, don't even understand the truth about God. Don't understand it. Scared to death to tell people the truth about Christianity. Yeah, God is sovereign over salvation. What does that mean? That means that if the gospel doesn't go out to the man in the jungle or the woman in the jungle and they die, they're going to hell. If God is sovereign over salvation and God has elected them to salvation, what do you think? God doesn't have the intelligence or the power to get them the gospel of Jesus Christ? That somehow the gospel has to be circumvented? That the necessity of the gospel can be completely dismissed and God will still save them? Why do we have gospel proclamation at all then? Why do we even need the gospel? We don't. If you follow that kind of thinking, all that was really necessary in the minds of these people is that Jesus would be crucified, die, and be resurrected and go to heaven. And no one needs to say a word about it. No one needs to go anywhere or say anything to anyone about it. It's unnecessary. This is because the church is filled with people who do not believe in divine sovereignty. And they don't believe in the necessity of the gospel. If you press them, you will find that out. That view is, in, is entirely contradictory to the idea that God is sovereign over salvation. It is absurd. It's, and that's just an example. This is not a, a, a rabbit trail. That's an example of what I mean when I say men are on milk and we keep them there. It's like, it's like free will. We don't want to talk about the nuances of the will. We don't want to get into those kind of conversations. We want to avoid, avoid Reformed theology for all it's worth. And if we do talk about it, we do so in terms that, that are vague and we do not take it to its logical end. We don't turn it into 
Now, here's how it confronts your deeply held beliefs about Christianity. Here's where the conflict and the contradiction and the tension come. We won't go there because we don't want the conflict. But here's the thing. If you don't take people that far, they don't grow. They don't learn. They're on milk. When you can stand up and talk about Reformed theology and the staunchest Arminian in the church can say amen, you're not talking about Reformed theology correctly. You're doing something wrong because that person doesn't believe what you're saying. And you're saying it in such a way deliberately that they can go on believing what they want to believe about God and salvation and sin and the fall of man and not be disturbed at all by what you say. Pseudo-Christians, most pseudo-Christians, most false converts should be incredibly disturbed and offended by the things you're preaching in the pulpit week in and week out and teaching in Sunday school class. They should be incredibly offended. They should be very uncomfortable. There, there's always going to be a few who, who will endure it, who will fake it. There's always going to be a few. But the m majority of them are not going to hang around. Why is that? Because there are better alternatives for them. If you're doing your duty, they'll find somebody else who isn't. But if they sit there with you, make no mistake about it, you're not doing your duty. They are comfortable, and they shouldn't be. Hebrews 5, the writer to the Hebrews says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who, par who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. These are Hebrews. These are Jews that he's talking to. It's amazing. So here you have another audience with this problem. This tells us that this is nothing new. It isn't new. But it also tells us the attitude of those men who were responsible for taking the message of God to the people. It shows us their mindset, their attitude. And is that the mindset and attitude of our leaders? Yeah, I think we know the answer to that. You are either promoting immaturity in the churches or you're doing everything you can to eradicate it. Okay? It's that simple. Most pastors have bought into the idea that we should fight things like racism, eliminate poverty, end oppression. Even though we do not observe Jesus or his closest disciples or apostles doing anything remotely resembling this. So why do we Talk about these kinds of things. Why do we get into these conversations? It's like I said earlier. These are the values, the priorities, the morals, the principles of the pagans. It's what people are comfortable with. And keeping people comfortable, that's what most pastors are interested in. Some pastors will make people slightly uncomfortable, but there's a line, and they know where that line is, and they're not willing to cross it. 
So modern pastors are fighting these things, talking about eliminating poverty, talking about equal justice for all right now, fighting racism, ending oppression, stopping the sex slave trade, uh, adoption, abortion, all these things. But when we look into the Bible, what do we see those leaders doing? They're fighting too. They're working hard, diligently. What are they working on? They're fighting ignorance of God's word. They're fighting ignorance and immorality in the churches. That's what they're fighting. They're not fighting it in the culture. They're fighting it in the churches, in the community of faith. The culture gets the gospel of repentance. Repent and believe the gospel. The churches, that's where we fight. Pornography, illicit divorce, fornication, adultery, lust, covetousness, greed, pride, arrogance, apathy. Why milk? Why do we have this problem? Well, milk is simple. Simple is good. Keep it simple. Milk requires little effort. Very little effort. You don't, you don't have to complicate things. Very little effort. Not much energy. Milk's comfortable. People remain comfortable with who they are, with where they're at. They're not challenged. Worse, milk is affirming. God understands your sin. God knows you're not perfect. Come on. God knows your heart. <laughs> God knows your heart. Wow, yeah, he does know your heart. We, we say that like it's a good thing. God knows your heart. That's frightening. Milk creates no tension. You get a couple in the church that uh, go through an unbiblical divorce. There's no adultery, no fornication, no anything. They just don't love each other anymore, and they really want to be happy, and they're not happy, and uh, they think they think that they are the source of their uh, unhappiness, and so they're going to get a divorce. And the church sits by and does next to nothing. Here's what the church does. They the church puts their arms around the wife and they put their arms around the husband and they love them and they affirm them and, and they treat them as if this is just a tragedy rather than this is outright rebellion against the commandments of the Lord and it cannot be tolerated. What do we think Jesus meant when he said, in order to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me? Hmm? What do we think he meant? Well, in that context, he means to the wife who's unhappy because her husband isn't the modern pagan type husband that she pictures in her mind, someone who comes home and bows down and worship, worships her every day and spends hours talking to her and doing everything that the modern feminists think a good husband should do, so she's unhappy, uh, she can just leave him. She can just take off and leave him. Wrong. Wrong. 
That is rebellion. That is wickedness. That, teaching people that, and not just teaching people that, teaching them what happens when two people divorce for unbiblical reasons, you get into the, the subject of church discipline. Teaching them that, that's meat. It's not milk. That's meat. That's not affirming. That's confrontational. And we don't do that in, in modern society much anymore. Sort of. Sort of. There's always, a, there's always a qualifier with that. People are affirmed in their sin. The only thing that gets confronted today is righteousness, godly living. That'll get confronted. If it's a sin, society finds a way to affirm it somehow, some way. Our churches find a way to affirm it. Sinners are victims. And sin is just, just a, an imperfection. That's how church churches view sin. That's how modern Christians think of sin today. Everybody does it. Uh, the language about it has to be softened. We have to affirm each other. That's what love is. It's absolutely foreign and contradictory to what we see going on in the Bible. Milk creates no tension. Milk is soothing. Signs that a church is in the Milky Way. <laughs> they have programs for everybody. Every group imaginable is broken down, and there's a, there's a program for them. Teaching is a mile wide and an inch deep. Preaching is almost always focused on helping you deal with life's, life's problems. Kids, marriage, sickness, careers, disappointment, loss, etc. There's always concern with, for your psychological state. Very little concern, very little said about your spiritual state. There is a strong social element. Relationships with one another are elevated above everything else. You have women's groups, men's groups, people get together, no Bible study, no accountability, just talking about whatever, anything but something that could create discomfort. That's not allowed. Deliberate discipleship is almost extinct in the Milky Way. The biblical pattern for church discipline simply doesn't exist. It's been rejected and replaced with a modern approach that doesn't resemble anything like what Jesus talked about in Matthew 18 or what Paul did in 1 Corinthians 5. The biblical pattern of eldership is usually completely absent, doesn't exist. Pastors spend their time on church business rather than on saints' lives. There is very little, if any, confrontation in teaching or sermons. When there is confrontation, it's only the safest kind possible. We're not crossing that line. Sermons are never taken to their practical and logical ends. People are not made uncomfortable. 
And if they are, it's only just very little, slightly uncomfortable. You certainly don't hear messages like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, John the Baptist. You, you don't hear them. Sin is qualified a million times over, if it's mentioned at all. Specific sins, focused, targeted sins, are rarely, if ever, mentioned. And when they are, it's brief and lacking in conviction. We want you fighting racism, but, yeah, yeah, you can, you know, keep looking at your internet porn. Keep divorcing each other. Keep committing adultery. Keep committing fornication. Keep committing greed and covetousness. and Keep ignoring your growth in Christ. And don't ever evangelize, no matter what. And if you do, it's really just inviting somebody to church. That's sharing the gospel. Sinners are usually framed as victims, and sin is a mistake. False teachers are never called out by name, ever. That's just not charitable. Church membership is a check-the-box exercise. No one is ever rejected. No one is ever removed. Not in any way resembling Scripture. This is the Milky Way. And this describes the overwhelming majority of modern evangelical churches. Do yourself a favor. Stick your nose in the Bible. Stay in it. Genesis to Revelation. Accept everything it reveals to you about the nature of God and his view of reality. Especially his view of holiness. His view of what we must believe which is everything that he says clearly in his word, we cannot reject any of it. We are commanded to do all of it. You reject anything clearly taught in Scripture, you are rejecting God's word. If you are rejecting God's word, you are rejecting God. Remember when James said that if you violate one of the least commandments, you're guilty of all of, of violating all of them. You have broken the law. Dogmatism must be our response to clarity in Scripture. Nothing else will do. Nothing else is consistent with the right view of Scripture, with a high view of Scripture. Get out of the Milky Way. Judgment's coming. Repent. If you've been a little apathetic toward your spiritual growth, repent. I know it's easy to look around and go, is anybody doing this? Is anybody really, truly battling sin in their life and, and doing what they can when, when, when they're out there to really share the gospel with people? Have these conversations with people as much as possible. It feels like not very many people are doing it, and that's discouraging. But it shouldn't be. It's only discouraging because we're looking in the wrong direction. We need to be looking up. Looking at what God expects of us. And it's clear in Scripture that God expects us not to stay on milk one second longer than we need to. Thank you for listening. 
I hope I've said something that's been encouraging, that's been challenging, that uh, will cause you to walk away and think a little different about the state of our, our churches. This is, and if you think uh, that this is new stuff, there's the really, it, the struggle isn't new. The struggle has been around since the fall. The struggle isn't new. What's changed? One of the one of the things that is that has changed. The thing that's that, that's the most alarming is our refusal to stand and draw a clear distinction between the community of faith, and and the children of the devil. That is a problem. And it continues to be an alarming problem because in the history of the church. If you go back and look at church history, man, these guys would burn each other at the stake. Now, I'm not saying that's where you go with this. It is not where you go with this. But they they vanished. They va vanished. They they vanquished each other. Uh, uh, they got uh, exiled. They were imprisoned. They were beheaded. They were burned. All these things happen even in the community of faith as misguided as they might have been. But the common, the common denominator was we will not tolerate false teaching or immorality in the church. Okay, That is the thing that has changed today. You couldn't, you couldn't get anybody exiled today to save your life. Everybody's accepted. We respectfully disagree. And in the name of Christian charity, we're going to go on getting along with each other. I mean, you even have, in some cases, Sunday school teachers being silly enough to say to people without any qualification that the world knows whether you're a Christian or not by the way you treat each other. And this, this could even be on social media. And it doesn't matter, doesn't seem to matter how... Uh, ravenous of a wolf that person you're talking to might be. That's not important. It's not important that this person is ripping sheep to shreds, tearing them to pieces. That's not important. What's important is being politically correct because to be politically correct is to be filled with the Spirit. That's, that's the, the stupidity behind this kind of stuff. And it's sad. And it needs to change. And it needs to change right now. We need voices that are going to continue to stand. The, 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 the unfortunate thing is I think the voices are always going to be few. And because there are few voices doing this, I suppose uh, those voices might on occasion be a little louder. And that's okay. Scream the truth. Cry aloud. Spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and tell people to repent and believe the gospel. Amen. All right, if you have questions, comments, uh, you can find us over on the Facebook, Reformation Charlotte. Uh, you can go to the internet, um, and uh, we're over there on uh, reformedreasons.com. Uh, there's also a, a Reformed Reasons podcast Facebook page where you can leave comments. All right, God bless.
This podcast is part of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. Biblical Christianity's marketplace of ideas. BibleThumpingWingnut.com in the jungle the mighty jungle the lion sleeps tonight in the 